Father, I just thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that your presence is found in worship. It's found in the word. It's found in the gathering of the saints. It's found as we give. And Lord, as we come together and we gather as presence, church, in the heart of this city, regardless of the climate, the disease, the specticism, all the stuff that's going on, Lord Jesus, right now we just choose and thank you that you've allowed us to step into this holy moment. And Father, the Bible says, you coined it, Lord, where two or more are gathered that you are there. Father, we just believe right now that you're here, Lord, as we've just prayed for Pastor Steve. I pray that disease, cancer, arthritic pains right now, a vision, Lord Jesus, right now, even down to hair loss in this room, Lord Jesus, would be eradicated, removed, and healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace, and we thank you for the offer of intimacy with you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We give you the glory this morning. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you are visiting, we'd just love to welcome you once again to Presence. Uh, thank you for socially distancing. Um, I hope someone's keeping track of the numbers in this room because we, we just want to really do the right thing. And hey, how good is it that we can still gather? Um, it's special. We need, to, we need to not just take this as ticking church off. We need to understand that this is an important thing. I, I need to welcome uh, a community for the first time to our 10.30 a.m. service. All the transformation lads, welcome to uh, our 10.30 service. We got the news that now that you've moved, you don't want to get up at 6 a.m., so welcome to the 10.30 a.m. Uh, Pastor Kent hooked you up with that, so be nice to him. Uh, Kent is always the man to do the deeds. Uh, hey, I want to speak to you this morning and uh, to set a little bit of context in a few different areas. Uh, this morning, um, the fact that we're gathering together under uh, the, the saving grace of Jesus uh, through his blood that was shed on the cross, enabling us to walk in right relationship with God um, is nothing other than grace. Uh, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Uh, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to impute it or enlarge it. It is what it is. And the moment that we call on the name of Jesus and believe in our heart and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, that grace, it just, it just, it just, just, comes and it just falls on us. In fact, the Bible says even whilst we were still sinners, someone died for us, which is Jesus. And so I, I want to put this disclosure out there this morning. What I'm about to talk about isn't necessarily going down the road of we've got to do something more to earn grace. But on the contrary, what I want to speak about, and I feel this disclosure is needed, is, is, is I feel like the Lord is saying this morning, He's pulling us back into a new level of intimacy. Yeah. And He specifically wants to talk about that. See, uh, see, where intimacy is different with grace, we already have Jesus. The Bible says that the Lord, uh, that He will never leave us nor forsake us. So, so, so God's right there, but then the book of James tells us that if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. In other words, grace, save, uh, healed, set free, uh, embarked on a journey of a life of intimacy with Him uh, is enabled through grace. But the intimacy part, it takes a conscious decision to lean into Him. And here's the thought. If we want to walk closer in intimacy with God uh, through the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit, then it's not just a Sunday service, it's a lifestyle. Intimacy is more than just a one-way relationship because God's done it, He's there. Once again, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but for us to grow, for us to walk in that renewed mind, for us to receive the transformation of life and truly understand who we are in God, it takes for us to actually expound that word, and you've probably heard it many times. It's not just intimacy like, hey, that's a cool thing, we go to church. No, no, it's actually getting back into a secret place or getting back into a posture of our lifestyle 
that we're allowing God to expand that word intimacy to into me you see. And the reason that I say that is because I feel like the message for this morning, which has come at me from many different angles this week, specifically out of prayers, the question that God's asking us in this current climate and season, do we know who we are? I want to ask you, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know the promises that you have attached to you? Do you know the level of faith and how much more that can increase? Do you know uh, the person that you have just worshipped? Uh, do you know the, the fragrance, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit? Do you know this? And the reason I feel like God is touching on this subject in order to move forward and grow more in God, uh, we need to develop a more intimate life of intimacy. Because the transformation comes in his presence. In his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence, uh, 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 in the right hand, are pleasures forevermore. And so here's the thought. Uh, the other week, in fact, yesterday, we had planned for a number of weeks now my 40th birthday. And uh, I'm getting used to the fact that I am now over the hill. Uh, but they say the 40 is the new 20. They said 30, but I'm claiming 20 in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, there is no hill. Well, uh, right. This is obviously going to be a two-part sermon, myself and Terry are preaching. But the truth is, and the reality is, is, is we were, had a party planned, and there were families, and I wanted, my ideal 40th was to go hunting and fishing in New Zealand. I said to Pastor Chrissy many times, I said, babe, in fact, at the beginning of the year, I sowed the seed. I'm like, just send me to New Zealand. I want to go hunting and fishing for two weeks with no children. And then I loosened up a bit. I said, okay, Hunter can come with me. And she wasn't having a bar of it. So that was the plan, but then COVID came. And how many of you know COVID has shifted everyone on this planet's ideas and plans and, and, and even perspective of what's going to happen into the future. So I say that to say we got a few weeks out from yesterday and my wife had invited a bunch of people, a bunch of you all, that we we're going to have a party. I thought, okay, well, if I can't go hunting and fishing, let's make it a celebration. We'll get bouncy castles and balloons and clowns and we'll just, like, we'll just bless everyone, housewarming, whatever. And then COVID came and it transitioned that idea. So then Chrissy, uh, being the smart one of the relationship, she said, hey, why don't we just invite the men? Because uh, 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 then all the kids and the numbers won't be there. And, and I was like, wow, no kids. That would be kind of cool uh, for the day. Just we ordered a lamb. This, this, this lamb was going to come on a platter and we were just going to eat as men do. And, uh, and here's the, the deal. Then they, on Friday morning, Chrissy called me. I was at a pack fair shopping center and she said babe they've just canceled gatherings down to 10 and so i say all that to say tomorrow is unpredictable yeah. like to be truthfully honest with you and just very transparent we might not even be able to gather next week or the week after or the week after i'm not speaking negativity i'm just being speaking reality but here's the point if we're not gathering on a sunday do you still know who you are on a monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday See, see, there's this scripture that I want to speak from. In fact, it's Matthew 6.33. Uh, I've probably spoken from and around this scripture and used it almost every time I've been on this platform. But in 2010, I had gone through a, a program that I should have gone through once. I was on my 11th round in fat transformations. And, and I was entered into the program and I was suicidal. I was lost. I was broken. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And the Lord spoke to me. It was like that. The, the, the voice of heaven just said, Justin, I never asked you to. And in that moment, I opened up the scripture. And as many of you would know, as Matthew 6.33, 
See, in order to understand Matthew 6.33, there's, there's a bit of context. Shane Willard said, let's unpack uh, this scripture so we know what's going on. In Matthew chapter 4, 3 and 4, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He's led away by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus essentially was commissioned in that moment, walking in a greater level. He made a conscious decision to go where the Holy Spirit led him, which brought him into a closer, intimate relationship with the Father. Out of that place of Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus then began to walk along the seashore, seashells, say that 20 times in a row, in front of 180 people. Uh, but Jesus began to walk along the seaside, and what he did in that moment was call the disciples. As we transition into Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has not yet spoken uh, an official sermon. He has not yet uh, laid down the principles of the kingdom of God. We know that Jesus came to reveal the kingdom and what kingdom lifestyle was about, but he hadn't yet up until this point laid out the plan and given us an articulate form of how we can walk in kingdom lifestyle. I think kingdom's something that's thrown around a lot. Hey, that's kingdom. Hey, that's kingdom. I want to tell you, if you read Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 all the way through to Matthew chapter 8, you will see exactly what Jesus says, the principles and the dynamics and the lifestyle of someone who wants to walk in a kingdom relationship and lifestyle should look like. I say all that to say in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus was there, I'm paraphrasing, and he's looking out and, and he realizes, the scripture says, that many people were gathering around him. So he went up onto the mountainside. The scripture says, verse 2 or 3, that he sat down and he waited for the disciples to come. We're right to assume that throughout the course of this talk that Jesus was giving, uh, many people started to gather around. They followed the disciples. They probably heard the teaching. In Matthew chapter 8, I believe it was, Jesus leaves that talk, and the first thing that happens out of speaking kingdom uh, was a, a man that was leprous or paralyzed comes to him, and he, he just started to worship. The scripture says that he fell to his knees and started to worship him. And he said, if you will, will you heal me? Jesus healed him in that moment, and then we see a, an explosion of ministry take place. So scanning back, Jesus has spoken and he's talking to the disciples and halfway through this particular conversation now understand Jesus with a motley bunch of individuals he's got the tax collector he's got the fishermen he's got all sorts of different people sitting around him Jesus is laying out this is kingdom principles this is lifestyle remember that this is probably the first time that they had heard uh, this kind of teaching and directive they would have understood the prophets they would have understood uh, I, I believe the poet side of the Bible. They probably understood uh, the writings of Moses and, 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 and all of that sort of stuff. But then they're sitting there with the Savior of the world who had been prophesied about, who had been, who had been declared, and he's now there telling them what the whole history of the planet has actually waited to hear. And then he says in the midst of all that, he says, guys, when you're struggling with anxiety, when you're struggling with worry, when you're worrying about the food that you eat and the clothes that you wear, he says, here's a golden bullet. He says, seek first my kingdom. He says, seek first my righteousness. And then he says this, he says, and everything else will be added unto you. And I say all that to say this, that as we move forward, our priority should be to walk back into intimacy with God. In fact, even as I got up this morning before I even had my coffee and I was just praying and just seeking the Lord, I opened up my, 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 my devotional and I love uh, Pastor or Dr. Rick Renner. He's, he's actually a brilliant teacher of the word and there was a confirmation that came and he wrote this in devotional. I 
give him the full credit for this. It's all him, none of me. And he says, have you ever sensed the Holy Spirit pleading with you to return to the on-fire love you had, had for him when you first received your salvation? You know, I feel like in order to move forward and to know who we are in intimacy with God so that we can conquer the news and the virus and everything else that's coming, sickness, death, and all that stuff that's around us, uh, there needs to be some stables that we have in our life that we actually do. Uh, the Bible says, seek first. Seek is actually a, a way of saying, guys, you might have to do something. See, grace we've received freely, but intimacy takes a conscious decision to walk towards. It's the same principle of honor. I love that Russell Eben says, he says, that which you walk towards, you receive from, and that which you receive from, you can distribute. And see, if we want to walk in intimacy and know who God is and walk in the fullness of him, we need to honor him by getting back to him. He goes on and he says this. Uh, he says, that is precisely what Jesus did, encouraging the church to get back to him. When he was speaking of the church in Ephesus, he diagnosed the spiritual condition and he told them that they had their, left their first love in Revelation 2.4. However, Jesus did not diagnose their spiritual, just diagnose their spiritual condition. He also showed them that there are steps that they needed to take in order to reverse the course that they were on to rectify the situation. This is seen in Revelation 2.5 where Jesus told the Ephesians, uh, the people in Ephesus, believers how to return to their white hot, not red hot. He wanted them to go deeper and be white hot uh, so that they would possess or to the possession that they had once upon a time of intimacy with the Holy Spirit years and years before. He said to them this, remember, again, you King James, forgive me. He says, remember there from whereence thou art fallen. In other words, remember where you have come from. And then he says this, and repent and do the first works. If we were to break it down, notice that Jesus urged the congregation in Ephesus to do these three things. He correctly diagnosed their spiritual condition and said, this is what you guys need to do. In other words, if you want to know who you are and how to walk forward into the future, first of all, do these things. He said, number one, repent. Excuse me, number two, repent. The first is remember. Understand, like get a, a focus of where you were. Remember that, 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 that Jesus has revealed through the manifestation of his presence in whatever form that looked like. Revelations are crazy. Uh, not a lateral or lineal line. It, it's all over the shop. But, but God has revealed himself. Jesus is speaking to John through prophetic utterance, whatever you want to call that. And he's talking about the book of Ephesians that we now read. When we read Ephesians, we hear of revival. We hear of church growth. We hear of encouragement. We hear of uh, how to put on the armor of God. We hear of like, like, like how to move forward in, in victory. And we get faith from that. But Jesus in the book of Revelation is actually saying, guys, you've stepped away from that. And I believe Jesus is actually saying in the context of this scripture in Revelation, do you know who you are? How far have you come away? But I love what Jesus says. He says, remember where you've come from. See, there is this notion throughout the context of the New Testament. Anytime remember is mentioned, it kind of lines up similarly with the word testimony. When you have the ability to remember something had gone before, what you do is you open up a dimension of heaven so that it can happen again. And then Jesus says, repent. Remember, repent. Jesus isn't saying, God, you have done bad. You need to come groveling before me. The idea of repentance is an archery form. And when Jesus says, repent, what he's saying to this community, he's saying, turn away from the way that you've gone. Realign yourself with me and run after me. He's not rebuking them. He's not like, he's not like telling them off as such. He's saying, guys, realign your focus. 
get back to understanding who you are. And the third thing he says is do the first works. You know, I read this this morning, and the works you did first. It's the third thing. Repent, remember, repent, and do the first works. And I just felt a real peace that this is from God this morning. I don't know, I've already preached half a sermon, but we're just getting started. I probably maybe three months ago in the midst of COVID was in my house. We were in Carrara. And I was reading a book, super holy at this time of the day. And uh, we were on restrictions. It was the middle of isolation. And my little son, Hunter, he's here in the front row playing my game, um, hopefully quietly so it doesn't distract anyone else. Um, but, but my little boy, he came into a room. I'm reading a book. He came in and he, he, he sort of, I heard the, 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 the feet coming down the hallway. How many of you know as parents, you, like the older they get, the heavier their feet get? It's one person, a couple of people agree. Uh, but Hunter came down the hallway and, and he ran into my room and he stopped outside my room and did something. I didn't know what he'd done. Uh, and then I'm kind of like looking over the corner of my book, lying on my bed, reading. And then all of a sudden I hear like the last bits of a countdown, like three, two, one. And it was my Macy, who's five, coming down the hallway because she had counted from whatever she counted to. And they were playing hide and, playing hide and seek. It's funny in that moment, I kind of just, just watched and I listened to what went on. And Macy came in my room and Hunter couldn't help himself. He's snickering. He's excited. My sister's coming. He, given up his geographical location instantly and was about to lose. Uh, but what Hunter did, because I heard like there was, a, there was a pause in what I thought Macy would find him and they would both laugh and be excited. But there was this pause and Macy went in there and she was quiet and then all of a sudden it erupted. It was like, wow, game over, da-da-da-da. And when I asked Hunter later, I said, what happened in there? He said, well, when I was running, I grabbed a pair of shoes and they were my shoes by the front door. And when I got into the walk-in robe, he said, Dad, I was sneaky. He learned this from his mum. He said, Dad, I was sneaky, and I put them beside the door and closed the door so Macy would have thought I was behind the door. But then I hid on the other side of the wardrobe, and my whole plan was to give her a fright, to scare her. See, I say that to say Hunter and Macy, they were in a game together. She was playing like her ambition was to win and to move forward and to be the better one. But Hunter, he was actually being a bit cheeky, and he tried to throw her off the scent. That's kind of the current climate that we're living in right now, that we are moving forward. But I want to tell you right now that the coronavirus is not from God. It is from the pit of hell. And right now, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, we need to be a community that understand who we are. And by understanding and me saying that, we need to have principles and practices. And maybe just like Paul, Jesus said, to the book of to John about the Ephesus church that we actually need to get back to just the basics in order to move forward again and understand who we are because we don't know what the future holds. And it's not just about living a successful future. I felt the Lord say to me the other day, I was praying and I felt like he was saying that favor is about to fall on this church, on our community, on our finances, on our, our relationships. And it's funny because you kind of in the natural go, well, God, you not know that there's a virus going across the planet, but his ways are not our ways, as our ways are not his ways. And, and I just want to tell you, so we had a word come through prophetically into our team meeting that the Lord is about to do unusual favor. I want to tell you, uh, unless you know who you are, you'll never be able to take a hold of the favor that God puts on you. But when you know whose and who you are in, in an intimate relationship, you'll be able to spot that. You'll be able to smell it. Heaven is on that thing. I'm going after it. And, and I want to encourage someone today, promotion is coming your way. I read this this week. God has tagged you and I to live in this late round. In fact, he has chosen us 
you can be sure who God has chosen, he will equip to get through the season that we live in, victoriously walking in favor. Here's some things that I think you and I would agree with that we want to see. We want to shine as light in this world as it grows darker. We want to build a hedge of protection around our families. We want to teach our children and our grandchildren the Word of God so that they will be able to live in whatever the future looks like. Uh, Another one, we want to stay unaffected by the changing landscape and the society around us. We want to be protected and safeguarded by the Scripture and the Word of God. I want to tell you, friend, that God has tagged us. It's not by mistake that you were just conceived and birth and now you're just here in 2021. No, every single one of us has been called and chosen. He says, for I know the plan and the purpose that I have for you. God knew us together, knew us as he knit us together in our mother's womb. Right now that every single one of us has a mandate to live out of a principle that would shine brighter and louder than the current negativity that's going on in this planet. I was talking to Shane Willard maybe uh, two weeks ago after he preached here and just running some scripture and some thoughts with him. He said, Justin, you can never remind the church enough that what we think we're living in, as in a negative, bad time in life, that this is actually the best time in history that this planet has ever seen. When you look back to the context of what happened even further than what I spoke about last week in AD 70 when Rome came over and they started to wipe out everyone, they would use Christians and even Jews alike as, as, as ornaments on top of sharp poles that they would poke up through them. Right now, yes, there are negative things going on in this planet, but I want to tell you that God has called, He's ordained, and He's calling us back to know who we are so that we can stand up. The church needs to be the light in this hour. We need not shrink back. We need not just wonder. We need not worry about the next worship service. We need to be the people individually because this might not be allowed in the future. We'll fight for it. We'll stand for it. But I want to tell you, it's going to take us to know who we are. This is the word I'm preaching to myself. There's a mirror in front of me right now and looking at my life as I've turned 40 and reflecting in some quiet time and I plan to do more. Over the last 10 years, the scripture has been an essence of what I've done. Prioritizing, seeking kingdom, and understanding that I'm the righteousness because of Jesus. I am the righteousness of Christ. And knowing that everything I have, family and a mortgage and everything else that's come and seeing this church transition is all because of a lifestyle of seeking first the kingdom of God. When I look around at my mom and my dad and my aunties, I look at businessmen I know in this room and people that I've spent intimate time with, even Pastor Steve, and I look at how are they walking in success? How is their provision on their life? How is their favor that's already on them? It's because I understand that they make a priority to, to, to institute the principles into their life. I want to give you a couple of keys this morning, and this might seem just like super basic But I want to tell you, these are the best ways that you can know who you are. First thought that I have for you this morning, speaking around this idea, remember, of intimacy. It's not just the going to church, tick the box with God. No, it's on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. How do we get to a place that we're saying, God, I'm uh, I'm opening it up. Into me, I want you to see. Knowing that when God comes in and sees the inside of us, something changes. Transformation takes place. We don't walk in the patterns of the world, but we walk in the renewed mind. At that point, we understand what the perfect will of God is for us and for community around us. That happens when we open ourselves up to Him on a daily basis. My first thought for you this morning is we need to pray more. Hear it. 
coin dropping in this room. And let me just take it even further. We don't just need to pray more. It's almost like too easy. This isn't kids' church, ladies and gentlemen. But we need to pray more every morning. Let me give you a scripture. Beginning your day, in fact, this is the essence of the point. Bring, beginning your day with prayer builds a wall of protection around your life. In Psalms 5 verse 3, David is at a pivotal point in his life. He's, he's been promoted into the kingdom. He's been promoted as king. He's living in a place of favor. You've you got to understand, David would have had a, a, a room like this, probably full with gold and fine wood and, and incense and everything. So David's like, he's sitting pretty. He's got people that look up to him. Man, they write songs and they sing songs about him. Saul killed the thousand. David killed the ten thousand. Like David's at a place where he could have kind of just kicked back and relaxed. But then David is penning this psalm's poetry, and he says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In other words, David is saying, I'm choosing to prioritize God over the noise, over the, uh, the, 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 slow down, over the provision, over the promises, over everything that's around me, and I'm going to choose first and foremost to seek you. He goes on to say this. He says, I lay my request before you, and wait expectantly. I want to read you a couple of other versions. In the Passion Translation, it says this. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. I love that. He's making a declaration. God, you can hold me to this. At each and every sunrise, when you hear someone calling out to you, that's me. That's your son. That's David. Remember, David is someone that is coined and quoted by God as someone that was a man after his own heart. I want to tell you, when God recognizes that you are someone that is after his own heart, it's because you've said, God, into me you see. I already have you. I want, uh, I want you to have more of me. And out of that place where God puts his hand on you and he says, man, that's my son. Remember what Trev said last week. God is looking around for those. He's, he's avidly seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, God's looking. His grace is on us. His love is on us. There's nothing we can do right now to get more of God's love. He loves us. He laid down his life for us. But the Bible says that there's more of him that he wants to pour out in intimacy and I believe he holds something precious for those who would actually say, God, I want to know who I am in you. I want to come a little bit further. I love what the New King James Version says of this. He says, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct to you and I will look up to you. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up to you. The last part of this verse, David says that he will look up to God. At this point, as I just shared with you, David is surrounded by enemies, both inside and outside of his home, as well as wealth and provision. And David had an option to struggle, uh, to emotionally get down on himself, but he knew what he needed to start his day every morning was by lifting up his prayers to God, prioritizing what matters, opening his heart and connecting with him. I, I want to I could bring you a hundred stories of myself and people that I just mentioned, uh, but I was reading in my own, my whole life's devotional life, so I was reading the other day, and this just stood out to me so much. 1 Chronicles, chapter 5, just let me read it. I don't know if we have it here. And I'm going to jump to 24 and read 25. This is obviously a chronology of, of Israel and the transition through history, but this stood out to me. He said, they helped, they helped, they they were helped in fighting them, and God delivered the Hagarites into all and all their allies, allies. This is the second service. Have grace on me into their hands, 
because they cried out to him during the battle. Listen to this. He answered their prayers because they trusted him. In the midst of a battle, when people cried out to God, God answered their prayers because God heard their prayer. God heard their heart. He understood that they trusted him. What was the method of God hearing from the people? Prayer. They prayed. They, they committed themselves. Remember, prayer is not just a one-way, God, would you give me this? Would you do this? Would you do that? No, no that's not even a relationship. That's demanding. Uh, but prayer is, God, what would you have us do? How would you have us approach this battle, God? What do we need to look out for as we go into our Monday? What, God, who do you want me to talk to today? Like, what plan do you have for me? God, I'm excited. Would you, would you show me? Would you let me smell some of heaven? Would you let angels dance around me? Like, prayer is a two-way relationship. But then the scripture changes a little bit and it transitions over time and it speaks of, uh, of the next generation, kind of like Jesus speaking to John about uh, the Ephesus church. There was a transition of time. They'd lost their first love. Listen to the scripture. These were the heads of the families, Epha, Ishi, Eli, Azrael, Jeremiah, Hodavite, and Jedi. It's like the Jedi, but not the Jedi. Thank you, Justin. Focus. Uh, they were brave warriors and they were famous men. These are the people from the family that God just helped in the past. And they were heads of their families. But hear this. But they were unfaithful to God and their ancestors, and they prostituted themselves to the gods and the peoples of the land, whom God had destroyed before them. Their generation before was a community, a generation that knew how to pray and communicate with God. But something disengaged between this generation and then this younger generation over here, where they saw more value in prostituting, giving themselves to money, finances, wealth. And so in other words, somewhere in this journey, someone negated to pray and to carry on the testimony of, hey, remember when God did this, maybe, maybe, maybe they, a generation just stopped praying and another generation was looking in and didn't even understand the concept of prayer. I want to tell the men and the women in this room, I've said it before, your children need to wake up. I remember waking up and hearing tongues, although I didn't know understand it. I'd hear tongues coming out. I often turn up at my dad's house now and then he comes out of his prayer room looking all disheveled with tears coming down his face. And well, what are you doing? Praying. And I want to tell you that that's how the next generation is going to understand who they are when they receive, when they hear, when they see our lifestyle. And they know that the only way forward to walk in favor and prosperity is to reciprocate the lifestyle of the generation gone before them. They prostituted themselves. They stepped away from God's word. Friend, prayer is more than just a generic, hey guys, you've got to pray. No, prayer is vital to understanding who you are. The second thought as we close in just a minute here is we need to read our Bible more. And let me just add to that. I know I'm being super simple today, but let me make it a little bit more profound in a moment. We don't just need to read our Bible. We need to read our Bible every day. Come on, like I understand, I remember Pastor Lucas one time and, and you were on Instagram and, and, and I actually felt so good because Lucas said, hey, like if you're doing a one-year reading plan and you're in the second year and you still haven't accomplished it, you'll get through it. And I champion that and I love that and I still have about three reading plans. I've got the, uh, the chronology of the Bible, I've got the McShay reading plan going, I've got the 21-day fast reading plan going, although I'm not fasting and I, I love the stop, catch me up button on that Bible app. But I want to tell you, if you want to move forward into a community, into a season, in fact, we're going there whether you like it or not. If you want to know who you are, you need to stay close to the Word of God. 
You need to have this as your foundation. Pastor Justin's good sometimes on a Sunday. Sometimes he might be off. Trev's great at leading worship and the team and Lee and everyone. Pastor Kent, he's a brilliant communicator, one of the best teachers I ever had in college next to my wife, of course. But I want to tell you that their revelation can only carry you so far. When we're in lockdown and we're not gathering together and it's not Wednesday night live doing a Q&A, you need to be the one that's holding on to the Word of God. Let me just take it a little bit further. The Bible is what builds a wall of protection around our lives. And just like I shared before, the Bible transferred from one generation to another. We'll see your offspring and their offspring and maybe a thousand generations walk in the blessing of God. Why do we want this? It's not just so that they can carry the Scripture. I love what the Scripture says. Where the blessing of the Lord is, no enemy, nothing can come in and deteriorate, deteriorate around that. But how do you know what the blessing of the Lord is unless you're reading what the Word of the Lord is? Joshua, sorry, Psalms 119, I'm going to read five scriptures, verse 89, 95, 105, and 106. kind of feels like it went teacherish then. You can see it behind me. The psalmist wrote this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Did you hear that? Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You know, there's a difference between the rhema word of God and, and we'll get into the differences there later on in the year this morning that's a big topic but when I think about this and I think about the descriptions of heaven now and even the fact that we gather together there's an open heaven in this room but what the psalmist attributed to the word of God is that where the word of God is that it's in heaven and not just in heaven but it's been uh, the scripture says here forever O lord your word is settled like like it's 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 established it's stabilized it's the it's the foundation and so here's the thing when i get up in the morning and i've spent some time in prayer and and i open up my bible and i start to read through the scripture what i'm actually doing in a sense and go with me on a spiritual level as i'm stepping into an open heaven so that when I read something and I close my Bible and I walk out of that place of atmosphere of heaven, I've actually remembered the principle of honor. I've honored the Word of God. I've received from the Word of God. Something of heaven has just gotten in me and upon me so that when I go into my business meeting, when I change nappies on my baby, when I deal with the circumstances that are at the hospital, when I deal with a church ministry and pastors and worrying about what the media is saying, what I have is an added advantage that I've just established something of the Word of God that actually is, is primed and settled in heaven. So I already have an advantage to the rest of the world that's going in with waking up with good morning, Gold Coast or whatever it is. Seven more new corona cases, seven more this, seven more that. Mortgages are going down, property prices. No, 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 I've just, I've just surrounded myself with some of heaven. I'm just going to change the channel. I'm just going to eat my breakfast. I'm going to love my kids and I'm going to go to work and we're going to have an amazing day. The psalmist went on, haven't even finished. He said, the wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. Hear this. Peter, saved by grace through faith, he's walking with Jesus all of his days. He's in a, even invited into rooms where Jesus left some of the disciples. And Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. Peter's in that room, but the same Peter denied Jesus three times. And the point where Jesus looked across at him, where he's being beaten up and, 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 and the rooster crowed. And, and he's in this moment and the Bible says that he ran out of that place and he was fearful. But then when Jesus returned, 
Jesus pulled Peter aside and they were walking down the road and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? See, why do I tell you that? Because when you read it and you understand that even though today I might sin, even though tomorrow I might do the wrong thing, understanding that the, the testimonies of the Bible give me strength to once again walk back into the grace of God, walk back into the presence of God, walk back into the secret place in the morning. And when I hear about a man who used to be called Saul and now he's called Paul and he wrote three quarters of the New Testament and he encouraged and he exhorted, even from a place of imprisonment, and he told us to be happy when we're in chains and be nice to our prison guards. When I go into my day and I understand the testimonies of what the scripture says, it empowers me and imputes me with a lifestyle to know not just who I am, but whose I am and what representation I should bring to the world around me. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, but I will consider your testimonies regardless of what's going on around me. He goes on, he says, your word, we know this so well. Your word is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments, even where Joshua imputed or implanted, where he anointed Joshua as the leadership. He gave Joshua a few commands. We know this. Just be strong and courageous. In 1 verse 7, Joshua 1 verse 7, God said, do not turn from the left, the left, your left, or the right, but stay focused on my word. Stay close to my word. Yongi Cho said this, you could remove powerful preaching from our church and it would still continue. You could remove the administration or the pastoral care throughout the week, even the cell group system. He's talking about his church, largest church overseas. And the church would still continue. But here's the deal, if you remove prayer, and I add the words, the word of God to the church, he said it would collapse instantly. Ladies and gentlemen, what's different to our lives outside of the church? Come on, God's paid the price. He's there saying, guys, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He says in Jeremiah, if you seek me, not just seek me, but he says, if you would seek me with all of your heart, in other words, allow, allow yourself to open up so I can intimacy you see, so I can come in a little bit more. He's saying, man, I'm gonna be there with you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna provide you with everything you need. And how many of you know when the Lord is close to you, that favor will just, it, it will domino everything else out of the way and it will create the golden path for you. It's not just about provision. It's not about money. It's about health. It's about relationships. It's about loving your brother as much as you love yourself. Oh, I just feel like God is just unctioning us and beckoning us like he did last week through that worshiping in spirit and truth back to a place of just, just getting back and raw with God. Maybe today is a moment that God's speaking to someone in this room, and maybe you're a businessman. I want to tell you that God wants to see you, your business go skyrocketing when everything else is just closing down. Maybe your relationship's on the rocks. I want to tell you that a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of word will transform that. It will give you a plan, a methodology, even to, to, to transition that. If you're a mom, you're a dad in this room, maybe you're believing for some healing in this room. I want to tell you the Word of God is the place of faith. It's a place that will encourage you about the blood of Jesus and the cross and that by His stripes, you've been healed. It'll give you faith and confidence to walk into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It'll give you a strength, a backbone to stand up against negativity. You'll hear it, you'll see it, you'll smell it, and you'll walk away from it. It's not good enough to say, hey, people just come to me and they tell me all the gossip. No, there's a reason they come to you. I love what David says in that scripture. He says, God, although I'm surrounded from everything, he says, I'm going to look up and I'm going to focus on you. 
In other words, God, I choose right now, first part of my day to rise above it, and I'm going to give you my prayer. I'm going to give you my praise. I'm going to give you my worship. I'm going to lay some requests at your feet. I'm probably even going to get a little bit angry with you at times, but I know that you're God and you're big and that you love me and I'm a son, and that's why I'm running after you. You're saying, I'm going to lift myself above my circumstances. Come on, friend, it's a daily devotion to prayer. It's a daily devotion. I remember Corey Turner two and a half years ago came and stood on the stage, and he said, this church needs to pray more. This church needs to read their Bible more. And I stood there as the pastor, just transitioned in. I'm thinking, yeah, I need to read the Bible more. I want to tell you, if we truly want to understand who we are as we move forward, and you want to see more of the goodness and the glory, uh, heavenly smoke and all those things, that's all great, but it all is an overflow of intimacy with God. And intimacy with God will lead you into your future. It will protect your kids. It will protect your household. It will see your business go catastrophic. Jesus is sitting around and he gave them the answer in Matthew 6, 33. He said, seek. I'm kind of nervous to say this, but I'm going to say it. Seek is more than just wait for something to happen. Seek implies that we would proactively make a conscious decision to actually physically do something to grow more in relationship and intimacy with God. And he says, seek kingdom. I want to tell you, we can't denote the importance of the person of Holy Spirit. We heard again, Trev say it last week, Jesus said this in John 16, 14, he set us up, he gave us the blueprint to how we can have more of heaven, how we can see kingdom, how we can live better sin-free lifestyles. He said this, he will glorify me, the Holy Spirit will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus said, and that is why the Holy Spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. Friend, in your moment of reading and writing, it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that brings this alive, that transition it from just words on a page to a life-changing, transformative word that will cause us to shine brighter, walk higher, and impute love into the world that we live in that so desperately needs it right now. I'm going to close with this scripture to summarize this whole morning. Interestingly enough, in Ephesians, Paul wrote at a time where they were just hungry after God. He gave them the armor of God, the analogy, but then he said this incorporated in that. In verse 17 and 18 of Ephesians chapter 6, and take the helmet of salvation. And then he says, and take the sword of the Spirit. Hear this, which is the word of God. In other words, when we know who we are, regardless of the current changing climate, season, rules, restrictions, governments, world riots, disorders that are going on, He's saying, you have been given a sword to cut through everything that would oppose you. And then he says, the key to that is knowing the Word of God. We need to read in our morning. We need to read at night. We need to surround ourselves with it because this is the tool. This is the key. This is everything you need to live a life of victory. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's all in the Word of God. It will impute something into your heart. It will make him be more alive. And I love this, he goes on to say, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's interesting that in the armor of God, coupled together by Paul in his writings in this pivotal point of transition out of Ephesians, he says, guys, you need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he says, coupled with that, you need to pray at all times with all supplications. 
something that needs to be put together. It's something that needs to be part of our lifestyle this morning. Would you stand with me? Verity's going to come in just a moment. We're going to go out of this place. If you're in this room and you've never invited Jesus into your heart as the Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart and you make a confession with your mouth that you will be saved, what does that look like? You'll be set free from the lifestyle that you have. You'll never be walking alone ever again. In fact, I share weekly this thought, and our family know it, that there's a young man, he goes to school and he's actually adopted. And through the adoption process, when he goes to a new school, he gets teased by a bunch of bullies. And this bunch of bullies tease him and they say, ah, you're adopted. And this young man's learned and he knows well enough. And as the people are gathering around him, true story, he stops him and he says, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I may be adopted, but my dad handpicked me. He says he chose me, he pointed, he called me out and he invited me into his house. He's like, that's a real dad. And then he kind of jokes a little bit and it's his habit. He says, but your dad got stuck with you. The crowd dissipates and everyone goes away. My point is, friend, if you're in this room and you've never called and invited Jesus into your heart, I want to tell you that God handpicked you. The qualification for you to walk into right relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth to restore your life. Maybe you're caught in sin. Maybe you're just stuck in a messed up lifestyle. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you just, you know that you've been doing it alone and for some reason you've walked into this room and you've been invited. I want to tell you that God's handpicked you this morning. But here's the thing, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is a gentleman. He won't put himself on you, but he's waiting for you to reciprocate. He's waiting for you to say, Jesus, I... And I want to invite you in. So I'm going to ask on the count of three, if you're in this room and that's you, that you would just give me a show of hands. If you're saying, man, that's me. I, I believe that. I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. He died on the cross. You're saying, that's me. I want to change my life. I want God to walk with me. I just believe that I, I need to be saved. If that's you in this moment, one, friend, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Two, if you're in this place, he hand picked you three if there's anyone in this room right now you're saying man i want to accept jesus into my heart today's the day would you shoot your hand up all over this room just looking around if you that's you put your hands up higher great see your hands see your hands see your hand down the back there anyone else in this room you just put your hand up it's not for me it's not for the church we celebrate i see your hand amazing amazing that's so good uh, we're gonna get around you and uh, I know some of the boys are in transformations great place I went through it myself and uh, it will breed you into a leader um, uh, if you need help after this we're going to pray you can ask anyone on the host team with a black uh, and white welcome shirt and we will uh, get you some information to help you on your journey would you pray with me everyone Jesus I thank you that you laid down your life for me this morning I ask your forgiveness for where I've missed the mark. And today, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you that from this day forward, you'll walk with me, that I'll never be alone again. I ask that right now, you would fill me with your Holy Spirit as your word promises. Jesus today, I choose you. Amen. Can we give our friends a round of applause? That'd be amazing.